You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of SD Times. And now, here's Jacob Lukowitz, online and social media editor at SD Times. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast episode. Today, we're going to be talking about mobile testing. As organizations have shifted to a mobile-first approach, they found that the main challenge is testing for the sheer variety of devices out there. Also, tests need to be run on various telecom providers in different parts of the world. This infinite web of possible combinations has prompted a need for automation and framework consolidation in mobile testing. With me today is Nadia Knish, Managing Director at A1QA. Welcome to the show, Nadia, and thank you for coming on. Thank you, Jacob. Nice to be here. Great. Pleasure to have you here. So to start off, can you tell me a bit about what are you seeing are some of the the biggest challenges that organizations are Mm -hmm. facing when it comes to mobile testing? Well, uh, with the advent of the mobile first era and and oversaturated market in general, uh, the importance of software testing is rising, of course, and that Mm -hmm. helps companies to outperform competitors and expand their client base as well. And mobile apps are not an exception here. So when it comes to ensuring their quality, organizations first need to um, define a profile of their end user as it assists in selecting the required mobile devices for testing. Uh, And if there is no such a criteria in place, uh, we can step in and gather this data and come up with suggestions based on it. Uh, We will have to narrow down the choice of uh, devices based on the geographical region, for example, uh, so that it's possible possible to overcome one of the major testing challenges nowadays, and that's the fragmentation of device manufacturers, and therefore the hardware of it, uh, screen size and resolution, and of course, operating system versions. And believe me, there are like millions of devices now if you just fragment them in these criteria. And there are, of course, more factors to consider, like uh, application type, like user interface, battery life, uh, internationalization, and and many others. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, for application types, um, native mobile apps are crafted for a specific platform, like mostly it's going to be Android and iOS, and they use Java, Swift, or some other programming languages there while hybrid apps contain a blend of web and native elements in HTML5 and CSS. The problem is that a test strategy in each case will be a little specific. For example, when it comes to testing native apps, uh, it's important to concentrate on either iOS or Android-specific functionality and behavior. In the case of a hybrid app, uh, it's both platforms that are supported uh, with a specific focus on the two most prevalent aspects here. The first one is UI and navigation, like uh, UI and graphics, visual quality, and so on. And the second aspect is performance, specifically responsiveness, suspend, resume, uh, read time, multitasking, app speed, and so on. Another important item is user interface. Uh, You won't have a second chance to make the first impression, right? And the teams should ensure that the design characteristics of mobile phones do not impede access to full application functionality. For instance, particular iPhone models have a notch under the front camera, and it's vital to ascertain that it doesn't overlap the apps button or other controls or some important UI elements. Another thing, another important item here is battery life. Um, the number of apps, dozens of background processes, all these just charge the batteries quickly, right? No one can last their battery for less than 24 hours now. Therefore, the key team should test to what extent the app wears out the battery. 
This is especially topical for mobile games, as due to high load on memory as CPU, the cell phone is heating up and that may cause the app to crash. Um, and internationalization is probably another uh, important aspect for me to mention here. Uh, to help the client succeed in the international markets, key engineers adapt an app to like various languages and cultures. This process is about testing the translations, uh, which range for supported languages, but also considering localization aspects like, uh, let's say, time zones or currency of how you display the numbers on the screen. So that's what I would put first here. So what are some of the best ways that organizations now can um, look to accommodate all those differences since there's so many things that they have to keep in mind? Is it yeah, uh, and- looking for public device cloud or, or a lot of simulations? Well, uh, uh, let me tell you that. So from our experience, the best way to do that is to actually uh, combine real devices with emulators with simulators. Uh, why we do that, and that's the practice that we use AI1Q all the time. Why we do that is uh, to make sure that all the defects are being discovered. Unfortunately, for some defects, you cannot just see them on emulators or simulators. You just need to use real mobile devices. Like um, one of the best examples is like when you are uh, in the app, fill in some kind of a 20 million questions form, and then you get a call from someone. Will your data be safe for you to continue or will the data disappear and you will have to resubmit the answers again and all that kind of a real life behavior that you cannot easily emulate on emulators and simulators. So like uh, at A1PA, we have a farm of mobile devices, devices that we use for testing, um, mostly of course iOS and Android devices of different manufacturers for uh, Android. It's a little easier for iOS, obviously, because Apple has the list of devices and people normally adopt new uh, devices faster uh, than on Android as well as operating systems. Um, but it doesn't mean we don't use the online device farms. Like we use one from AWS, uh, helps us significantly enlarge the device coverage for automation testing. testing. Uh, so now are you seeing that a lot of organizations, when they want to build an app, are they looking more to build a, a native application or are they still looking out to just build a, a mobile web application? Yeah, uh, I cannot say there is one or another kind of uh, driving the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can see both being introduced for for the recent apps, for the recent clients we've been working with. Uh, and normally it depends on the functionality of the apps to be built. Like if you're, if you're thinking of um, uh, your functionality as something that will need a lot of hardware features of your cell phone, of your smartphone, uh, whether it's, I don't know, your camera access or um, I don't know, any kind of ports uh, that are specific hardware on the phone, uh, we would normally recommend going with um with their native apps for sure. But in many cases, it's just faster and easier to build a hybrid app first, because uh, you already, most likely, you'll already have a web version of your application, some kind of a website or web portal. And uh, building a, a hybrid app on top of that will just take it, just make it quicker and faster mm-hmm. uh, to deliver to, to the market. And then uh, we also recommend, if it's possible, we recommend our clients to go and sit down with their end users and see 
what are the use scenarios, or user scenarios or use cases that they do on, on the regular basis in their real life uh, to define if that's something you can cover in the hybrid app or you will actually need a, a native app for those scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, and you should also remember that native apps are normally faster, uh, have better performance qualities, including like battery life, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can do your UI a little more specific for the for the device, which makes it easier for users to adopt the application because they already understand what to expect from Android app or iOS app instead of trying to merge them together and dealing with people like, oh, I cannot find my back button. I remember that when <laughs> um, iPhones had the back button deleted from everywhere and people oh, were yeah. like, I cannot, I cannot navigate it anymore. Why, why have you done that? <laughs> I was guilty of being lost as well. <laughs> Great. Um, so what would you say is the the first essential step for an organization that wants to build a mobile app and in terms of looking out for which kind of framework uh, might be best mm-hmm. for them? From the QA standpoint specifically, I would mention two major things. First one is ensure the quality of the requirements because um, that will help you to shift QA left and will make sure you can decrease the defect fixing costs and increase the development efficiency. The early in the software development life cycle, you find the defects the better. So have your key involved. And of course, think over acceptance criteria so that everyone in the team understands the app's functionality and knows how to develop it and how to test it. Again, just to avoid miscommunication between the teams. Um, and are you seeing that there are some new tools or techniques when it comes to mobile mm-hmm. testing, such as uh, the addition of automation, which I saw was pretty prevalent? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And um, depending on what kind of a test strategy you come up with, like if you go with mobile um, manual testing or you go with automated testing, you can use those or that techniques. Let me start with a simple one uh, for manual testing because it's smaller, it's very understandable. I'll just mention briefly what we use. And um, I would say that what was important for us is to have uh, solutions for intercepting traffic. So you can kind of see where the behavior is when the traffic is high or low, when you have good connection or you have bad connection, or when you download something at the same time and how the app behaves in this case. Uh, or you can use some uh, solutions to emulate bad connectivity. I know we all kind of... 4G, 5G now, uh, but believe me, there are still areas here in the U.S. where you cannot get even 2, 3G connection. (laughs) And uh, you want to make sure that your users are not getting upset with your app and don't remove it from their phone uh, before they get into a bigger city or somewhere with a better connection. Uh, From the key perspective, it's also important you have some tools for screenshots and video recording. Uh, It's not that easy as we kind of got used to on um, laptops and computers, you will just need to install specific tools for that, but it's manageable. Mm-hmm. As for the automated testing, that's a more complex one. And there are a couple of tools as well as there are specific techniques that we see uh, people use and adopt more and more. Um, so the first one, uh, the first important point here is that you should make sure that the tools that you'll be using are easily integrated with the development technical stack. Mm -hmm. Um, Business needs are important for sure. I'm not saying anything about that, Um, but you should think really accurately about 
what kind of app you're developing. For example, if you just develop an, an iOS app, a native app for, uh, for Apple devices, uh, you can just go ahead and use some native tools like uh, XCUI test because mm -hmm. um, that helps to accelerate the time to market for iOS de uh, devices specifically. But it will not work. Those tests will not work on your Android devices. Mm -hmm. So if you think of um, supporting both platforms, uh, we would suggest going with tools like Appium or um, let's say WebDriver IO. Uh, the test will run a little slower in this case, but you can reuse the same code base on both platforms, which makes way more sense if you just want to release both of them. Right. right. When it comes to techniques, um, so I would say shifting left is one that is very popular and very common now. So start testing earlier, start looking at the requirements before you actually start developing something, question the requirements, make sure everything is there. Um, understand what functionality is important, what is the priorities and, and, and so on. Uh, and uh, as we talked about test mission, uh, one important thing here is maybe thinking of how you, you how you can use artificial intelligence AI in in your test mission. Can you use AI to uh, predict or um, follow your end user behavior so you see what kind of scenarios are the most popular and what needs to be included in the scope of automation automated tests and here then. Uh, another small thing that is very effective for, for from our perspective is feature flags or feature toggles. Uh, using those, you can switch on and off some functionalities on the production environment. So if some of the functionalities cannot be tested on development environment due to the complexity of it, like for, let's say, um, internet providers or mobile cell phone, uh, cell connection providers, you cannot replicate the whole infrastructure uh, on your development environment, that's going to be very expensive. So in many cases, you can just go ahead and use those feature flags to switch on and off this functionality in production so that end users cannot see it, but you can use it for testing. Another thing that helps a lot, for sure. Great. And for my last question is, how does a company such as A1QA help its customers with their mobile testing initiatives? And what kind of companies in terms of size and perhaps industry are you seeing are most often uh, that's that's an interesting question, Jacob, for sure. Um, I've seen a lot of companies coming in, uh, and some of them would be like big, I don't know, Fortune 500 companies that have been in market forever. Mm -hmm. But now with, uh, you know, all of us are staying at home, all of us getting more mobile, no one wants to be kind of connected to their computer or their laptop. Um, they understand the necessity of having a mobile app Um looking good, working well, so that their customers can use it on the go. Uh, especially from like 2020, I would mention retail uh, companies, for example. A lot of them switch from just being a offline stores in a mall to being an online uh, store. And of course, not of them can afford like huge, big features, uh, like, I don't know, try on uh, clothes online. Uh, but uh, at least you want to be available for your customers to easy purchase, to make returns, uh, and to kind of support their interaction with the, with the brand. Uh, on the other hand, a lot of um, new companies, even startups, come to A1QA as well uh, with their ideas. And as I mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast, that 
everyone wants to be mobile first. So they may not even have a website yet. They may have just an idea of their future business, but they understand that they will have to be mobile right away because that's what the users are expecting. Especially, uh, we've seen a lot of people doing that in, um, let me put it as wellness industry, uh, everything that relates to online training, online gym, online exercising and workout stuff. Because uh, again, you don't know where people will be working out. Will they do that at their house or will they just go in the park nearby and they want to have it on their cell phone, right? So that that makes it a very interesting landscape of all the clients we see coming in for more help with mobile. Uh, and of course, from our side, uh, we help with pretty much everything. Uh, we start. We normally want to get involved at the requirement stage when we can help analyzing the requirements, understanding what needs to be done, what is the priority, what can be postponed. Let's say in case we have, I don't know, timeline constraints or something in mind. And of course, we help our customers understand what devices they need to be covering. Again, if you think about devices in in the United States versus devices in South Korea, for example, it's going to be a very, very different landscape and different uh, usage for Android and iOS devices. And same for China. When you think about China with their limited access to internet and stuff, you need to know what you're doing and how you're going to be doing that at the very beginning before you actually go into the real development stage. And of course, during the development stage, we help with all the normal stuff like functional testing, UI testing, uh, compatibility against all those devices, whether it's emulators, simulators, or real stuff. Of course, we help with uh, all the circles of regression testing and um, uh, production testing, uh, delivering things to production on a regular basis, sometimes even supporting the reviews from um, Apple and Android and uh, Google uh, when they review the app uh, before actually pushing it live and may come back with some comments or asking for some um, trace of testing results and stuff like that. So we would want to be as much as helpful as we can be for our customers. And that's uh, the way to, to make our journey. Great. Well, it looks like that's all the time we have for today's show. And I want to thank you, Nadia, again for coming on. And, for, and give- Thank you. Great. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in today. Be sure to check out all of our weekly episodes on your favorite podcast listening platform. Till next time, this has been What the Dev. 